Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. I'm Josh Siegel. I'm Yoni Pruce. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater. Today is history in the making. Yes, the we first. Are... Okay, Josh. Well, I was going to say why it's history, but you can go ahead. I don't think he uh, knew let, why, Sammy. Let's let, let's let Yoni take this one. I'm going to send it over to Josh real quick. All right, thank you. So, we are living in a world where it is late July, and the Orioles, the Tigers, and the Marlins are all in first place. Which and, segues us perfectly to the fact that the Marlins and Orioles will not be playing tonight. And the Not Mar- only yeah. is it... Josh, we remember might- the time that I finished a sentence? Yeah. That was great. So, anyways, the Orioles and Marlins aren't going to be playing tonight. And not only do we get deprived of baseball for both the Marlins and the Orioles fans, but we get deprived of two first-place teams matching up early in the season in what really is a critical series. Who knows? We might be there to stay. We might be finishing the season with a 666 winning percentage or 667, depending which way you want to lead. Yeah, I mean, at this point in the year, it's not out of the question to say that we're missing out tonight on what could have been a World Series preview. This is a marquee series, and we're, we might wind up missing both games because the Orioles traveled back to Baltimore. They might play a game in Baltimore tomorrow, but who knows? Now Yankees-Phillies was canceled as well. Josh, isn't a four-game series? Well, it's a two in ba- it's two in Miami, two in Baltimore. So I, I'd say, as of now, I, I think that the two in Baltimore will happen on Wednesday and Thursday, if I had to guess, depending on how many Marlins end up with yeah. coronavirus. But, Wasn't it, like, at least 14 players and coaches combined? Didn't they say, like, 14? Yeah, it was 11 players. I mean, the players is the more important thing, just because at the end of the day, not in terms of the health aspect, but in terms of the playing aspect, like yeah. if you don't have enough players to even feel the team, that's a different story. But I'm sure by Wednesday enough guys can like get themselves together to hopefully play some baseball. I mean, I'm looking at it in the fact that like, yes, maybe I should be saying this is ridiculous and the season should be canceled, but this is kind of what we should have expected. Yeah. And, and like, it's just going to the show in a way the show goes on and like, I think – I don't know where the line is between when we actually have to stop it. I think it would have to be when a whole team decides they're done, if that makes sense. When a team says, this is just not worth it anymore, and a team opts out. Yeah. Well, so that brings us to what we have planned for today. So I have put together eight statements based off of the opening weekend, and we are going to play overreaction or not an overreaction. And – I want to add the caveat that this is not agree or disagree. This is whether you think an argument can be made for this or whether we are overreacting and this will not be a storyline this year. So these are put in no particular order. We will start off with number one. The A's. Josh, what order are they in? Oh, it's very, it's, it's very specific. Okay. Um, so we'll start off with number one. The A's will win the AL West. I, mean, I think that's fair. I watched their game, uh, I guess it was yesterday, against the Angels, and they played quite well. Shohei, they made Shohei Otani have a infinite ERA as of right now. They hit well. They field well. As you guys talked about, wasn't it um, – who's on their team that's like the greatest defender you guys were talking Matt about? Chapman. Matt Chapman, yeah. And they also have Olsen. I think it's fair. Like, that's reasonable to say that they could win the AOS. I'm going overreaction. I mean, the Angels and the Mariners are bad. Yes, the Angels are uh, a little better. But both teams went 2-1 and one this weekend. 
if this statement is based on the fact that Verlander is going to be out, he said himself that he's going to try to come back. And even if they don't, it's like that Astros team's built on their lineup and pitching depth. And that's not going to change just because Verlander's out. Um, pound for pound, the Astros are the better team. And so I think it's an overreaction. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's not an overreaction, but I do agree that obviously the Astros have a better chance to win the division. But I think if Verlander is out for a long period of time, it could reflect poorly on their playing and just how the Astros play as a team. So I'm not sure. I don't think it's an overreaction, but I still think the Astros are winning the division. So I'm agreeing with Sammy. I'm going overreaction because the Astros are were the consensus pick to win the ALS, AOS, and it was kind of an obvious thing, and I don't think we've seen enough to change that. Um. So that moves us to number two. Christian Yelich will have a down year. I mean, this one's almost impossible to answer, in my opinion. Just because one series for batter any three games doesn't mean anything. And so I, I'm going – I'm. it's not a great thing that he wasn't that great, but he hit a home run. I mean, like, I, so, I don't – I would say overreaction. Just because the Yelich has a body work at this point in his career where just because he has three bad games, I don't want to say that – He's going to have a down year. So I'm going not overreaction for one simple reason, and this is something that I wish I had known before I made him my MVP pick. Um, during the inter-squad and exhibition games, there were no official stats kept, but some journalists kept unofficial stats, and the consensus Yelich numbers for those games was four for 34 with 16 Ks. So uh, That means really little to me. It means something to me because it seems that this is an extension of that. And even if he just struggles for another week, that's one-sixth of the season. And it's the equivalent to a month, and it's hard to make that up. So I'm going not an overreaction. I mean, it's not hard to make that up, Josh, in the sense that an average over a month is a lot harder to make it up. An average over a week isn't because the time to, like, average ratio isn't the same in a 60-game season. That's true. But even even just in terms of counting numbers, like – I think even if the, he just slumps for a little bit more, that's going to affect him going forward. I'm going with overreaction. I, I agree with Sammy. I think that having one bad series happens to every hitter, even MVP caliber players. And although we do want to see Yelich have a fast start to the year, which would help his MVP um, status and his tight in his race for the MVP, I don't. I think it's an overreaction to say that he's going to have a down year. Yeah, like I didn't have him as one of my top three MVP candidates. Doesn't change the fact that he was the MVP two years ago, probably would have been last year. And just because he had bad scrimmages and three bad games doesn't mean that you can say he's going to have a down year. I'm going to go with overreaction. I didn't get to catch any of the Brewers games, but it's what Sammy and Yoni have been saying. Like you can't judge an entire season off of the first um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Series. First series of the season. Like – it's if you come back to me in a week after we've played a six of the season and he's still playing like this, then I could agree with a call for a regression year. But right now it's three games. It's not enough to tell. The other thing is like in the same way that you're not going to say the Orioles are better than the Red Sox. You're not going to say that Yelich is going to have a down year. Yeah. So number three, Edwin Diaz is continuing his trend of last year and will no longer be a reliable closer. Uh, I'm, okay. 
I'm going to say um, a little bit over an overreaction only because he let one home run, right? Like, it's not like he had a three-run lead and it was like a whole big blown thing. He, in the first game of the season, he got a save, right? And then he came back the next day, and which he shouldn't have. Because last year, his ERA coming back after one day, like in its second day on a back-to-back day pitching, was over 10. And so as a manager, I don't care if you're a new manager, you need to know your players. And even if Edwin Diaz says he's ready to go, you have to know what, how he usually pitches in certain situations. Um, but the fact that he got one save and then allowed one home run on the final strike, yes, it is a blown save. But I, don't think it's, I think it's a little too early to say that Edwin Diaz is going to be just as bad as he was last year. Yeah. So I'm sort of with Sammy. This one is actually confusing because I watched both of those appearances. I watched Friday's game in full. I went into my mom's room to watch the end of the game on Saturday. And he was much better on Saturday than he was on Friday. I mean, on Friday, he was very shaky. He walked Freddie Freeman on four pitches. And he gave up a couple foul balls that had home run distance and sort of had to battle his way through. Saturday, he was really locked down. And then on two strikes, made a really good pitch. It was his backup to Seaver on the outside corner. That's become his trademark. And Marcelo Zuna just had a really good piece of hitting and took it the other way. So I'm really not sure what to say on this. I'm not ready to count him out because I feel like it's one of those situations where we haven't really seen a result even that's been consistent with the way he pitched because I really don't think he was good on Friday and he was very good on Saturday. I'm going to – do you mind if I go? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm, again, going to go with overreaction. I think it's hard to judge someone off of two games. Like Sammy said, in one of the games he got saved, the other one was a home run on the last strike. It's too early to really say anything about players, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, I'm also going to go overreaction. I don't know too much about Edwin Diaz's performance last year. Um, but just based off what I've seen from some highlights and what you guys are talking about, it seems pretty easy just to say it's an overreaction because he only he had two appearances, and I don't want to judge based off two appearances early in the year when pitching has been a little iffy for some players. So, right. It's also the fact that he did get a save and the fact that, like, I don't think it's too early to judge players on their performances, especially when it comes to pitchers. Like, you look at Otani – that is concerning. You look at what Paxton did, that is concerning. But Edwin Diaz, like Josh said, made one mistake, and even that was just a better piece of hitting than anything. Yeah. Um, All right, so number four, the Red Sox could finish in last place. Josh, I think this is just your bias. No, I I think they could. Uh, I don't think they could – See, saying could – so you're saying they could finish in last place? Yeah. I guess that's fair to that's say because really anyone could. Should, I feel like that's kind of not allowed. Yeah. You, you say should could. say the, the no, Red Sox will finish in last place. Is, yeah, that's what you do when you're doing this. No, because I think the thing is with the Orioles, it's such a dramatic thing that it has to be could. I thought about – I thought a lot about that word choice, and I felt like – it was such a dramatic statement to say that the Orioles would not finish in last place that I had to make the could. So I think either you could have said the Orioles will not finish in last place or the Red Sox will, because when you're doing something like this, you can't, 
you can't say could, I feel like. Like, that kind of defeats okay. the whole purpose. Fine. The Orioles will not finish in last place. Or the Red Sox will finish in last place. I'm going to say not an overreaction, but it's more because of what I saw from the Blue Jays. And it's just that they don't have pitching. Like, I understand the Red Sox are not pitching, but their, their lineup's just much more experienced than the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, their only bright spot was Ken Giles. And there's a good chance he's seriously injured. I don't know if you guys caught the end of yesterday's game, but they were up 4 nothing at one point, and they blew it. And part of that was they were up two in the ninth. They bring in their closer, Ken Giles, you know, who's – his nickname is 100 Miles Giles because he throws very hard. But he mm-hmm. was at, like, 93, 94, and he was walking batters. They left him in too long. And then finally, with the bases loaded in a 3-1 count, they had to come get him in the middle of an at-bat because that's how injured he was. And yeah. so, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't see a good trend going on there. Yeah, I think the AL East is pretty dark after you get past the Yankees and Rays. Yeah, so definitely. I so, I don't think it's an overreaction to say that the Orioles will not finish in last place. Yeah. Even though I still think they will. They, they will. They are, they are very bad. I mean, and Jose, Jose Iglesias has been a light-hitting guy. He's not going to continue the pace he's on right now. He went 7 for 12 over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's the same idea with, like, the Marlins and Miguel Rojas. Yeah. Then Attendi went like 0 for 10. Yeah, Devers went 1 for 12. 1 for 12. Yeah. Um, all right, number five, Giancarlo Stanton will win AL MVP. Not an overreaction. I completely agree. He yeah. looks Not an overreaction so at all. It, this he, looks- he's meant to be a DH, first of all. Yeah. Like, he was great in the field in the NL, but with the injuries he's been dealing with his lower body, the DH is the first spot for him. I Like, obviously, I got to watch him over the weekend, and – it's just the effortlessness in which he's playing the game shows me how locked in he is yesterday. He had a tough day, but that's just how hitting works. I mean, especially yeah. you don't see a guy like Corbin who has a slider like that every day. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't think it's an overreaction. He's someone who's built perfectly for a 60 game season because he goes on these insane 60 game runs that like he did in the second half of 2017. And it's really what it, it really like the, this weekend reminded me of 2017 where it was just, if you miss with a fastball, he's going to hit the ball really far. And he hit one ball 459 feet and another ball 483 feet. I had never seen a ball, the 483 foot one, I've never seen it hit yeah. that there in Nats yeah. Park. I mean. And he hit it 121 off the bat. He looks so locked in. And you saw literally as soon as a pitcher missed with location with the fastball, it was demolished. I, he would he would actually – I wouldn't only say not an overreaction. He would be my pick right now. Yeah, he is my pick right now. I don't think it's an overreaction either. He played great. I don't have the things about DH being the position for him like you guys do, but just watching him, like he felt composed there. Like he just was in control of his play. And that first home run was – like, I know it didn't go as far as the 483 one, but just watching him crush that ball, like, it was just – he was – I don't know how to describe it, but I think locked in the way you guys were talking about like that is the perfect way to describe it. He just wanted to play, was ready to play, and came out to play. Yeah, I mean, with Stanton – and this is true with Judge, too, where it's just one of those things where I despise the Yankees with every bone in my body – when I'm watching their highlights, I almost have to separate it just because it's really fun to see what to watch people hit baseballs that hard. And 
like I do have to at a point just appreciate it, even though I hate them so much. Mm-hmm. Also, quick breaking news: Corey Kluber out for the year. Yeah, I, I saw he left after one inning yesterday. He, I think he's That's, done. Yeah, it's, I'm. I, I think it's uh, wraps for his career. Yeah, I mean that'll be eight appearances in two years. What was his injury this year? What did they Shoulder, say? Yet? I believe. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Number six, Jose Ramirez is back. I mean, I, the issue is I don't think he ever left. Because if you really followed baseball, you know how dominant he was last year in the second half. He had a good second half, yeah. And an amazing second. Like, he hit 324 and had an OPS that started in the thousand. Like, he had an yeah. amazing second half. So, I think I, – I just don't think he's ever really left. He had a slump at the beginning of last year, but other than that. So, I'm neutral on this one. Yeah, I'm sort of where you are. So, it's – you said he is back? Yeah. Uh. I know nothing about his last season performance, but I just pulled up team leaders for the Indians this season. As far as batting goes, he leads the team in batting at four uh, four one seven, uh, two home runs, five RBIs, five hundred on base percentage, and five hits. Like he's leading the team in everything in batting. I know it's only one series, but I'm gonna agree with again. I didn't know that he didn't have a, I guess, call it regression last year, but he is having a great season. So I can't say overreaction, underreaction, but I can say he's playing well. How about that? Yeah. The only caveat is that his big problem last year was not being able to catch up to velocity. He just stopped being able to hit fastballs, and the two homers he hit were 86 and 89. That's the only caveat I would give, but but I agree with what's been said. Yeah, I do too. Um. So number seven, Shohei Otani should quit pitching. Uh, not an overreaction. He gave up five runs in the first inning, right? Was it, oh no, five because he came out. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't even complete the inning. He did not record a single out. Yeah, I was watching. I was really interested to see what at bat would write for infinity ERA. Well, so it just what gave ha- the dash. What, Josh? Gave it a him a dash as well. Like, that's huh. what you get before you pitch too. I mean, yeah. you can't have an ERA if you don't record an out. That's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. yeah, I was. I had saw some tweet about it. Something about Shohei Otani. It was like, uh, I don't remember it, but it said um, ERA infinite, and I didn't understand that totally. So I spent about fifteen minutes yesterday on just Google trying to figure out his ERA, and then I realized that like why it said infinite wasn't like a joke from not sports center. It was because since he didn't record an out at all. Yeah. That it's, it's infinite. Like it's easy to say, like he's not pitching well or is not a good right. pitcher. However, all of this said the word quit makes me call it an overreaction. Yeah. Because he was the rookie of the year for a reason two years ago. He tore his UCL. You can expect some regret. Like, is it too soon for him to pitch? Probably. Does that mean he should quit pitching? Because of one bad game where his velocity didn't look right, absolutely not. Yeah, I think, I think he should probably stop pitching this year just because if you watch, his issue wasn't even – it didn't seem injury-related. It was completely mechanical. If you watch his wind-up, what made his wind-up so good was that he would – he has a slow leg kick, and he would go back with his arm, and then his arm would explode. He had one of the most incredible arm speed I've ever seen. Yesterday, his arm wasn't catching up with the rest of his body. So when he would kick, 
he was a little bit off balance and his arm was lagging behind and that was hurting both his velocity and his control. And it was a completely mechanical thing that needs to be fixed. And that's not something that's a byproduct of surgery. That's something that's a byproduct of something's off in your pitching. And that, that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a huge overreaction to say she quit after one bad game and what he went through with his injuries. I 100% agree with Sammy. Yeah. Get reaction. All right. Number eight. And this is something that needs to be talked about. Chipper Jones is the Jason Witten of baseball announcing. I, does, he, does he announce for the Orioles? No, he was doing ESPN games this weekend, and he was horrendous. I didn't listen with volume, so I have no idea. Did you see him during the Braves-Mets games? Me? Yeah. No. He was terrible. It was, think, 2000 Joe Buck monotoned combined with the disinterestedness and lack of insight of Jason Witten. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it's just I was, I'm very caught off guard by this being the final thing that you wanted to talk about. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'll let you tell us what happened. Like, I don't have – He was just terrible. He didn't have anything insightful to say. He – my favorite thing was he decided to just give out comparisons throughout the game on Friday that didn't make sense. So he said Mike – no, he said Jacob DeGrom – was a cross between Greg Maddox and John Smoltz. He said that Mike Soroka is like Greg Maddox. And my favorite one is he said that Ronald Acuna was Ricky Henderson with more power and less speed. I I don't know. Like, (laughs) that's funny. And he said it all in a monotone, and he gave zero insight on the game. He was horrendous. It's, it's going to be a rough season for Sunday Night Baseball this year. He also did a thing where he kept bringing up points with two outs and two strikes and then getting cut off at the end of the inning. Is this his first season, like, commentating? Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I, I, if I'm the only one who's seen him, this is not an overreaction. Yeah, you're the only one who's seen him. <laughs> he was horrendous. I was watching a lot of uh, bubble scrimmages. You seem pretty entertained by it. So I, I, I was say, not entertained. Well, Booker was entertaining. Booker was entertaining awfulness. This is not entertaining awfulness. This is awful awfulness. Well, you seem pretty passionate about it. So oh, I'm passionate about it, but I'm not entertained. You seem entertained. Um, but all right, that does it for our first weekend overreactions. Um, anyone else got anything to say on first baseball weekend? I mean, it, it's – Josh, if you had to say right now, can I give an overreaction, underreaction? Okay. Um, is it an overreaction to say that this baseball season will not be finished? No. And, like, I, I'm a little – I'd like to talk about Juan Soto for a second. Is it okay. an overreaction to say that there's a little bit of conspiracy about Juan Soto testing positive the first day of the season when he was asymptomatic, has had six tests since then that were all negative and that no other national has had symptoms or tested positive even though they were in a clubhouse with them and no other Oriole even though they had played two scrimmages against each other? Well, the thing is 
it needs to be like an MLB approved test to get him back. And he's only had one negative on an MLB approved test. Right. But he also got the false, which if he, if, okay, if the next one from MLB is negative and he is asymptomatic still, it is a false positive at that point. And so the false positive was also an MLB approved test. Yeah. It's, and the MLB has so many testing issues. They had these issues during the spring or I guess summer camp when players weren't getting them back fast enough, they're getting tested every other day, even though players are traveling. Whereas in the NBA where they're in a bubble, there's daily testing. It's just the NBA like spent months consulting with medical professionals and coming up with a refined plan for this. The MLB just tried to Leroy Jenkins this and it's just gone terribly and it's sort of gone predictably. And I think the NFL needs to change things up because I really think you need a bubble to, at this point to be able to play. If the MLB season doesn't happen, no NFL is happening. If yeah. Full season to happen, then you need to make a bubble and make sure you yeah. get tests every day. Yeah. I, I think what the NFL needs to do, and this is what I wanted them to do. And it was really frustrating to me when they released the schedule with no backup, but I hope they can still do this, is that the NFL schedule is structured in a very certain way where you play division, you play a division in the AFC, division in the NFC, your own division, and then one team from the other two divisions. So you can do a thing where you say you have four bubble sites. Um, you, like there are enough football team facilities where like you could say we're having one in Dallas which I think is a big facility one yeah in the New star Jersey. is massive yeah one in New Jersey you know somewhere in California or something like that and say we're going to structure the season so the first four weeks are interconference so you're going to have each division quarantined together for four weeks at one of the locations then you do the division games and you just have two of the divisions play each you know and you just structure it that way and do and do everything in a row um so i think that's what the nfl should do because you can't have everyone in one bubble but if you create multiple bubbles and have teams there for weeks at a time i think you can pull it off yeah that's yeah i like the idea i don't know if it would work just because it seems like it's messing with the schedule way too much but if it were to keep the NFL alive and going for this year, I'd support it. Yeah, so, but the only thing like – The bottom line is if they don't stick with the schedule where it's built in a certain way to have parity, which is what's so beautiful about it, I, I won't think of the season in the same way, and I'll never fully believe in the Super Bowl winner to be the best team. Um, but on the other hand, if it means that there is a Super Bowl winner, I, I'm obviously all for it. Yeah. yeah, I really think that's the only way you can get in 16 games. Because especially well, you would have to make it fourteen, like at yeah. that point. Yeah, and even in baseball, like it's going to be hard, but baseball games can be made up much easier than football games. The odd- right, like in theory, in in theory, theory, both they they actually did a good job in the schedule in the sense that the NL East, for example, and the AL East, all five teams in the NL East this week play a four game series starting today with teams in the AL East. And so for the series that are affected by the outbreak today, being the Marlins and the Orioles and the Yankees and the Phillies, if they can't have their game stay or tomorrow, they can do double headers both Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. So I was reading there hasn't been much discussion with that with the Orioles and Marlins. They don't really want to do back-to-back double headers. But I think, 
I think the biggest thing is just it doesn't seem very realistic to have teams traveling. It's just not safe. I agree. Yeah. But it goes back to the point that either way, for any sort of season restart, there needs to be a bubble because, like, players, like, we can do our best to trust them, but one reason why the virus will spread is if a player isn't quarantine or quarantining or being safe. Like, there's a reason why we haven't – I don't think – I might be wrong, but I haven't seen any positive tests in the NBA bubble for over a week now, and they're well, getting – I have a conspiracy with that. Oh, God, Josh. What is your conspiracy with that? We've been getting many, many alerts about players leaving the bubble for family emergencies. Right. Yes. They seem to be tied in a way where it's multiple players on the same team. So we had Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell both leaving the bubble. Okay. And Lou Williams. And the biggest red flag for me, Austin Rivers left the bubble for a family emergency, but not Doc. So what are you saying? Are what you, if it's, I, I think family emergency is their code word for privacy to keep the players' privacy when they test positive. I, I think they did it. I think they want to keep the players' privacy, and they say family emergency is the code word. But what about the proof of Lou Will going to the? Yeah, that's a, that's that's facts. Like, what about the fact that we saw a picture of Lou, Lou Will at a strip club? Well, Lou Will was a dumbass. If he's asymptomatic, he could have still been stupid. I, Lou I, Williams I, calling Lou Williams is a dumbass is really out of line in my opinion. Yeah. Like I, mean, I like I gotta be honest, he's one of like the brighter minds in the league. Oh no, I love Lou Williams. It's just he could have been a dumbass in this situation. Uh, yeah, I don't support him going to a strip club, but I also don't agree with Well John. he just wanted food. Did you guys uh, see that? That's what he said. He was just picking up dinner. Yeah, also, at the same time, there are certain guidelines that have to be followed. Like, do you see the NFL? They released a list of things of like, they basically said if a player tests positive um, and they find that it was for a quote irresponsible reason that he, during the time he misses, he doesn't get paid. Yeah, I saw that. So, like, they released a whole list of things where it's like just going just... to a restaurant with 15 or more people, you know. It makes sense, though, to an extent. Yeah. It's, it's smart. Hold yeah, it's going to limit big social gatherings. Yeah. Or at least players getting in big social gatherings. They're being very strict, and I think the NBA has similar guidelines, and whether it's fair or not, Lou Will did break that. Yeah, he did. Um, but, all right, should we move on to the Jamal Adams trade? Yeah, Jamal Adams traded to the Seahawks. It was like Jamal Adams in a fourth for, what was it, Bradley McDougal two first-round picks and a third-round pick? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think this trade makes sense for both sides. Agreed, yeah. Um, I mean, the Seahawks, the thing is, their biggest issue on defense is not the secondary. It's that they have one of the worst pass rushes in football. Yeah. Um, and this didn't address that. Um, but obviously, Jamal Adams is a game-breaker. Mm-hmm. Who any team would love to have. And for the Jets – it's clear he didn't want to be there, and it's clear he wasn't going to resign. So getting two first-round picks and a third and a quality safety out of it, it's – I don't know if there's really a comparison to the Jets in football because we talk a lot about smart and dumb teams. But the thing is the Jets have a really smart GM and a really bad owner and a really bad coach. 
Okay, uh, my, my favorite part of this whole situation has been the Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell beef. beef I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Did you guys see Le'Veon Bell's tweet? Yeah. And then he Jamal- regrets signing on the Jets so much. Yeah. People do all the hooting and hollering to get you brought in just to leave. LOL, like people weird, yo. The internet got these dudes doing whatever for attention, even when they tell you shit they don't believe themselves. That was what Le'Veon Bell said about the trade, or Who one of the think- things he said. I mean, it's Guys, can I quickly, can I quickly read, uh, so unrelated, but can I quickly read a tweet from Lou Williams from an hour ago? Sure. Sure. Um, he says, but I digress. I went home to see a man off to his final resting place that was a giant in my life. I don't want that to get lost in all this attention. So, again, long live the great Paul Williams Sr. Back to my quarantine so I can join the guys soon. Peace. Well, so, Josh, do you really think that there's a chance that he's making up the fact that someone died? Well, now I feel like a because terrible he tested, person. Yeah, because he tested positive for – like. I think that kind of debunks Josh's theory for sure. I mean, I, Josh's theory never made sense. Yeah, like, I, emergencies do happen. The, Austin Rivers, the where, Austin Rivers thing was the biggest red flag. Josh, me. how do you know it was Austin Rivers' mom that had an emergency and not Austin yeah. Rivers' wife? Yeah. Does he have a wife? Yes. Her, I looked it up, actually, once you said it. Or He has a partner named Brittany Hotart, I don't know how to Maybe pronounce Doc last Rivers name. doesn't need to go see his daughter-in-law with whatever was going on. Well, anyway, I was wrong. I'll take the L on that one. Um, but yeah, like I don't like it's a cool theory, but I think it's a little bit far-fetched. Yeah, I mean no, the NBA is also doing very well in terms of testing. Yeah. Like, like I, I would argue that my theory that the Juan Soto force false positive has more grounds than that. But even though mine probably has a 2% chance of being true, I don't think yours has any chance. Yeah, I'll take the L on that one. But anyway, I think – I don't I – st- the thing with the Seahawks is that I, I still don't know if I completely believe in them because they have a great quarterback. But there was a little bit of overperforming last year where they went 11-5 and five with a plus-seven point differential. They won a couple games on missed field goals. Like, I, f- I feel like they got lucky, and I feel like this is a situation where they're getting better, but they're not addressing their biggest problem. So, obviously, anytime you can get Jamal Adams, you do it. Um, but I don't know if this drastically changes my outlook for the Seahawks for this year. Look, I'm one of those guys who believes in – it's a meaningful thing to find ways to win games in the NFL. I think baseball run differential means a lot more than football score differential. Because if you find ways to win games, and it's the same way that I thought the Ravens were going to be screwed if they went down big, because they didn't have to find ways to win games. Whereas teams like the Seahawks have had to find ways to win, have had to find ways to win games, and they do it better than almost anyone. And obviously, a missed field goal is a different thing. But if you're referring to like the game against the um, the Forty ers like that whole game was a grind for the Seahawks. Well, I, so there was the game against the Forty ers then there was the game against the Rams also, where they got. I mean, they got very lucky to win that game on um, Thursday night. Uh, I mean, if I, I, I always trust Russell Wilson to win games. Right. right exactly. Like, it doesn't matter if you're down 10 in the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I love Russell Wilson. I completely trust Russell Wilson. The Seahawks, a lot of weird shit happens in Seahawks games. And I think Kevin Clark, who works for the Ringer, has a tweet that he retweets every week where he's like, there's no such thing as a normal Seahawks game. And then he retweeted like, and then he tweeted the other day, like, after this Jamal, this Jamal Adams trade does not change the fact that every Seahawks game is going to be 19-12 in the fourth quarter. 
and will come down to a kicker we've never heard of. But now all of a sudden they have another guy yeah. who can change that game in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it makes them a better team. They have another game breaker. Like Jamal I still think the 49ers are the best team in the division, but they're better. Um, I th- and like I said, I think it's a really good move for both teams. One thing I will also say with the Seahawks is giving up picks might not be a big deal because they're really bad at drafting in the first round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like their first round, if you look at the last real good first round pick they've had was Earl Thomas. Besides that, Jermaine Effetti was okay. But otherwise, it's stuff like Rashad Penny and LJ Collier. It, it, it's, they're bad at drafting, so that, that might not be the biggest loss for them. Yeah. I, it, but it never hurts to have draft capital, but that's besides the point. Anyways, that's been today's podcast. Josh, thanks for preparing the overreaction, underreaction topics. We'll do another one next week. Uh, reminder to check out the Instagram at the floater pod and the Twitter at the floater pod, as well as uh, listen, we are available on Spotify, our website, floaterpod.com, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So that's all I've got. Sammy, you want to bring us home? Yeah, on behalf of Yoni, Josh. Uh... Soul Kirkpatrick and myself, uh, I'd like to remind you guys to stay loyal.